if I do the thing that I am afraid to do, that I know I'm called to do, even if I fail, my life will be better for it. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Max McCoy, and this is Looking Up. Today, I'm joined by one of my favorite humans, Eric Godsey. Eric is essentially a psychologist. He's a student and a teacher of psychology and mythology. He helps people understand the story necessary to help them reach their highest potential, among so many other things. We haven't done a podcast in a month, and I'm very excited to hit the ground running with this one. This podcast episode was fire. Eric is one of my favorite humans, and you'll learn why soon. I think we live in a really cool time right now where we have access to all these videos and articles and books and podcasts. It allows us to learn from people no matter where we are in the world. And I say that because Eric to me has been one of those virtual mentors. He's been, you know, though not directly in my life, he has been a mentor in every sense of the word. I definitely resonate with his work on a deep level, his approach to psychology and how it blends with mythology, the way he goes about his work and the way he is driven by a mission and one of his missions i definitely resonate with which is as he says to create empirically effective psychological systems for treating depression and anxiety i think we live in a world that is ridden with this feeling of depression and anxiety and it's stuff i've dealt with and the way eric approaches these things i think is medicine that the world needs more of Eric and I recorded this conversation a little over a month ago, and I've been re-listening to it, and I've been trying to apply things since. Uh, We talk about actualizing our potential and all that goes into that. We talk about listening to guidance, doing the things that scare you, being mindful of the story that's playing in the background of your psyche, and so much more. For the people that are deep in the world of self-discovery and self-transformation, you will love this episode. Uh, And for everybody else, if you're new to this type of world, I'm confident that Eric's words will strike a deep chord with you. That is kind of the magic of Eric. He has a way of articulating things that will get to some part of you. Some part of you will come alive in this episode, or at least I hope that's the case. It was the case for me. I appreciate you guys checking out the podcast please consider leaving a review. I do this for free, so any reviews you guys can leave definitely help this project grow. Uh, And that's it. I love you guys. Thank you for supporting this. And I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, I'll stop talking. Here is my conversation with the Eric Godsey. Eric, welcome back to the podcast. You were... um... You were actually one of my first guests before I was ready to bring on guests. I was doing solo podcasts and I sent you a, a message off the cuff because I just like loved your work and I was like, yo, hop on my podcast and you said yes. And that was the start for me uh, of saying yes to doing things that scared the shit out of me. And that conversation alone with you, along with your work, was one of those things that spiraled me into a year and a half it's been since into a into a path I wouldn't have known uh, was possible without doing things like this. So I appreciate you for joining me the podcast, uh, the second round, man. Bruh, and the greatest thanks that you can give is the fact that you've embodied what we've talked about. So thank you. Mm. I've been trying, man. So can you put it in your words to kind of lay the groundwork of kind of your ethos behind this idea of following the daemon, following one's path, following one's kind of soul's calling? Because I can try my best, but I think you just will articulate it a lot better. What is your kind of perspective on this potential that we all have within us uh how do you kind of explain what that is and that force yeah. 
Yeah, so the way the metaphor that I like to use, which I got from Carl Jung, is the truth of what you are, quote unquote, energetically, for lack of a better word, is you're an oak tree. And at the beginning of your life, you're an acorn. And the set of stories and shoulds that you get from your parents, from coaches, from culture, that's the shell of the acorn. And a lot of people, especially if you have a mental illness in your life, I think the mental illness is a byproduct of the fact that you are an oak tree trying to stay an acorn. And what that looks like practically is if you're living the life that you feel you should live because that's what mom wanted or because that's what dad respects and you're living a job that doesn't fulfill you, if you're in relationships that don't fulfill you but you're in them because you feel obligated or whatever, you're a fucking oak tree trapped inside of an acorn. And the the way that that manifests in your nervous system is depression, apathy, anxiousness, etc. And I think that the best story that people can use to live the dopest life possible is the hero's journey. And the core idea of the hero's journey is you got to leave the motherfucking village, bro. You got to go fight dragons. And then you got to bring home the treasure to update or to improve the village that you came from. And what that looks like practically is All of us know that whisper inside of us that asks us to do scary things. And all of us know what it's like to say no because we're afraid. You will live the dopest life if you cultivate the muscle of when you hear the whisper from that part of you. I call it your daemon, and we can get into why I call it that. And you say yes, and you go do the scary thing. Even if you fail at doing whatever the thing was, you're more proud of you. You love yourself more because you just did the thing that you were afraid to do. And that's how you grow most effectively. Because the truth is, man, all of us, if we really stepped into the full manifestation of the human that we are capable of being, we could change the fucking world. All of us. Like, the truth is, most of us are running at like 8% of our capacity. I feel like I've done a bunch of work and I'm at like 20%. 20% of what I could be. And so the fun is like how much of my potential can I manifest before I die and how much good can that, can that create in the world before I go and let's just fucking go slay dragons. For me, the, the idea of doing that always sounds great, but then when it comes to doing the hard things time and time again, it's like how do, how do I and others remember that you know, saying yes to the hard things itself will in turn be like a net net positive. It's easy to almost think like the comfort of where I'm at now. It's like the ego story that the comfort that I'm in right now is actually more joyful and and positive than the pain I might experience from putting myself in these risky situations and doing the thing and having that limbo period from going from this life I don't like into the life I want. There's going to be a lot of torment in the, in the middle or not torment, but you know, uncomfortability Um, how does one kind of remember or how would you put it that like why is following the oak tree path uh, worth it in the first place what have you found to be like how beautiful this life can be because I think that truth is something that you articulate so well and it's something that I try to remember time and time again but when it gets hard it's hard to remember so the first thing is the truth is it doesn't matter what the fuck someone like me says you will have to suffer until you are done suffering until the suffering is greater than the potential fear of doing the thing that you know you've heard the whisper to do for the last seven years. Mm. And some people have to suffer for a long time. 
And the things mm -hmm. to look at is what are your addictions? What do you go to to hide? How much Netflix do you watch? How much alcohol do you drink? How much drama do you invest in relationships don't feed your soul? Like you have to numb yourself to stay inside of the acorn shell. So really look at how much are you numbing yourself? And also, do you have symptoms that a psychiatrist would love to throw pills at? Like, do you have symptoms of depression, anxiety, ADHD? Do you sleep well at night? Do you feel like you don't have energy? All of those are signs that you're fucking bumping up against the acorn shell, but you're not allowing the shell to break. And the truth is, a lot of motherfuckers got to suffer for a long time until they're willing to face the potential fear of really applying for a job that they like or really telling the person that they've loved since they were eight that they actually love them, you know? And so that's step one, is you have to suffer until you're ready to take the risk. Step two is run the faith experiment for two weeks. And the faith experiment is, if I do the thing that I am afraid to do, that I know I'm called to do, even if I fail, my life will be better for it. And then just run that experiment for two weeks and see what your life gives you. I'm at the point now in my life where I saw what my life was like up until I was about 26. And then like, I know for me the moment where I was like, I'm gonna start doing the shit that I'm afraid to do. And then in the span of like four weeks, I went from being unemployed, living with my mom, to working at Onnit in four weeks. And I also met a girl on Tinder and had great sex for three weeks. And before that, I had been afraid to go on dates because I was afraid of being rejected. Like in the span of four weeks, best sex I ever had, got my dream job. And it's because I did like three or four things that I was acutely terrified of, and then I did it. And then once like that happened, I was like, oh, whoa. And then I just started to run the faith experiment over and over and over again. And now I'm at the point where I've gotten so much of my dream life made manifest to me by listening to that whisper that it's almost like my ego doesn't have much free will anymore. Like if I hear the whisper, it's like, okay, all right, I got to go do this. And then I go fucking do it. And in those moments that you do the things that you feel scared, scared to do, I've had the experience. It's like, it does make you feel this sense of freedom and this sense of like, okay, I've done that. Now I have so much more available to me now, so much more that maybe I stuffed away as like way too scary. Each step I take that scares me just a little bit makes each one a little easier and easier. So I can, I can see that trajectory that you've taken as you just keep saying yes and yes. Um, you're kind of sent up. What is this thing that happens with us though? For me, at least I can only speak on experience and I've seen from people I've kind of bounced this off of. It's like, you do the experiment, you do the things, um, you have a good week, two weeks, good month. And then it's almost as if, you know, the ego within me is clawing to stay alive. It is trying its best to, to drag me back, whether that be through again, through when it's not even needed forms of numbing, whether, whether it's, you know, just negative thought patterns of like, see, this is who you truly are. Or for me, you know, <laughs> to get a little more specific, if I'm extremely tired one day, and it's easier for me to access depressive thoughts when I'm when I'm tired. Then my ego will come in and just become so loud and say, "See all that you have done in these last three weeks. Um, you know that's not truly you. This is you." So how have you been with that transcending 
conquering a fear at a time, but then also having this force within you that's almost trying to bring you back to where you came? Yeah. So that, that, that's a great question. And I appreciate you giving a specific example because that was going to be what my question would be because all this vague stuff is more helpful to people when we can get specific. Totally. So the first thing is um, the key insight to meditation is discerning the ability of being a non-attached witness. Mm. And so I meditate and I have this ability, not always, but I, I can always remember it, mm. where every thought that I have is essentially a hypothesis that my psyche is offering my conscious mind to seize. Mm. And when you seize an idea, it means you act it out. And so I can just watch the tools being thrown up in front of my eyes and I can choose whether or not I grab them. Again, not always, but most of the time. Technically, your prefrontal cortex on one level is the part of your brain that allows you to pick the right tools, quote unquote. And when you're tired or stressed or sleep deprived, that part of your brain is not running as well. And so one of the things is just knowing biologically how my mind works. It's like, oh, have I slept well in the last two or three days? Have I ate well in the last two or three days? Have I worked out well in the last two or three days? Have I been in truth with the people around me in the last two or three days? And if the answer to all of those aren't yes, I know what I can do today where I don't even like, I can see those tools are being thrown up. I don't have to grab them. I can be like, I'm seeing a lot of axes today. And then I can go review the things that I know help my biology. And if I'm not on point on all of those, I'll go address those. And 99% of the time ever, addressing the like core five habits of yeah. do I get good sleep? Am I in truth in my relationships? Am I eating well? Am I working out? And am I doing something meaningful at least for an hour a day? If those are checked, th those thoughts just go away. Yeah. Now, if they do linger, then it gets more interesting. Then it's like, okay, I am believing a story right now that I'm not aware of, and I need to do some digging. And for me, my example is the one time that I had a pretty decent stretch of depression for about four weeks was the relationship that I was in I hadn't realized that I had changed my entire core story about who I wanted to be in the world. Before I met her, my story was, I listened to my Damon, I'm trying to manifest my potential, period. Once I started to really fall in love with her, I changed my story. And my story was, I'm going to try to be the type of person I think she would be the most attracted to so she will stay with me. Mm. And that completely discombobulated my entire body about what was meaningful and my emotions were dependent on her giving me the validation feedback that she was accepting me. And it stopped working. Like, because I changed who I was from the beginning of the relationship to now, her attraction to me changed. She started to pull away because my story was no longer to be my truth, but to be the person I thought she wanted to be. I was both not in my truth and pushing her away. So I wasn't getting the feedback and I was depressed. The moment I became aware that that was the story I was running. Like the moment I became aware that that was the story, the depression lifted. Now, I had been doing all the biological stuff right for four weeks. You know, because I've done the research on depression, I knew I needed to eat a low inflammation diet. I knew I needed to get as much sleep as my body wanted. I knew I needed to work out every day, even if I didn't want to. I knew I needed to be honest with how I felt about the people around me. And I knew I needed to create art every day. But it wasn't helping. But I knew that those were the right things. But then the moment I became aware of the story, boom. It was gone. So the thing that I would offer is if all of your biological bases aren't checked, do those first. 
And then if it still lingers, then you can either do journaling. For me, I love to eat some motherfucking mushrooms. And I try to get into, okay, what is the story that I'm telling myself that I, that is basically, because depressive thoughts on one level is your psyche is telling you the games you are playing, which are your behaviors, that you think will produce the life that you want, which is your story, aren't working. And so then I have to reevaluate the story. I, uh, I had a moment early this month or early April actually, and I tapped into my intuition. And for me, how I get to that is through meditation, like you said. And then in this particular experience, I actually did, you know, take a, a nice dose of mushrooms and that actually opened me up so much. And this isn't my first time, but it was with a level of intention that I haven't done it before. And it was actually based off of a lot of your teaching. It's, it was like, you know, take a solid amount, go in your room, put on iFolds and just like accept what you're being taught. And that led me to a connection to spirit that I hadn't felt in a long time. And it was like that channel had been reintroduced to me. Um, and though I'd been meditating so much, it's almost like it just broke all the clog. It cleared the drains. And then I, I could hear things so much clearer. And as you said, like I was able to see thoughts come up and understand. Um, it, there, there were thoughts being presented to my consciousness saying like, do you want to believe this or this? And it was I was able to discern what was spirit and what was the mind kind of out of fear. Yeah. And one of the things that came up was just so much clarity in terms of this spiritual voice telling me which actions to take to kind of manifest that version of myself I wanted to be. And that was something that brought me so much love and comfort. But then in the lingering weeks, it was the ultimate dance of facing those things. And that's, yep. that was really what I wanted to talk to you about was like, I had so many things like, okay, do this, do this, do this. And yep. it, and it was okay, I will, but I'm not this enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not this enough yet. And as I continued to play that in my head, I, it just came back to this, you know, take out the middle word and it's just, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough for yep. these things that I want to do. Um, yep. And I've even had, I had physical symptoms start to manifest with me. I had, and I've been in quarantine. So headaches, um, you know, nausea, like a stuffed nose. And I'm like, I have not been around people. Like I should not be sick right now. Yep. And luckily I had the wherewithal to kind of ask my gut, like, what is this? And it was just essentially like, you're not looking at the things that you know you need to be looking at. You're living yep. in fear. Um, talk to me about that. Like when, yeah. we, when we don't look at the things, when we, when we say no, when, when the voice becomes so clear, um, you know, what right. is that? So one of the things to recognize is that when you become clear on who you could be, who you could be becomes a judge. Yeah. And that judge is in your psyche. And that judge knows what you're capable of. That judge watches your entire life through your eyes. It knows all of your thoughts. It knows how you're playing small. It knows where you're not telling the truth. It knows if you could do an extra hour of work that day or if you chose not to. Like, it fucking knows you. And if you've been given the call and you don't answer the call, that guide becomes a judge. And one of the things that I would offer is the feeling of I'm not enough on one level is the judge inviting you to develop competence. And you develop competence by doing a thing every day in a way that you can improve on it. And so, for example, when you have a vision of who you could be and you get all these ideas about what you want to change, one of the things to recognize is your consciousness embedded inside of a monkey. And the monkey grows slowly most of the time. There are exceptions, but it's like a tree. It grows slowly. But you can every day fine-tune one of the branches through an action. And so integration comes down to, at least for me, what is one habit change 
that I can take away from this experience that I know will help me move towards who I want to be? And how can I articulate it in a way to myself where I can do it every single day? And the thing about habit change is you might have a psychedelic experience where you're like, I'm going to work out for two hours every day. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do Tai Chi. I'm going to activate every muscle with my mind to properly move the Chi through my body. And then you might try it for one day and it's so exhausting. And then you don't do it again for six months until you have the download again. Or every day for one minute, I'm going to do Tai Chi. And I only have to do one minute. If I want to do more, I can. And then after I do one minute, I put a big X on my calendar. I've done it. And then every week, I'll increase it by one minute. So now I'm doing two minutes. But then by the end of the year, you are now someone who Tai Chi's. And that's a fundamental piece of who it is that you want to be. So like for me, one of my core habits is write. I'm at the point now where I can write for like three or four hours. But I started at fucking like journal. I just have to journal every day. And then any days that I don't, that fucking judge is like, bitch, I know you could have and you chose not to. And a really interesting thing to pay attention to is be aware of what the ego wants to do where if you're around people who aren't exceptional, you will tell yourself the story. Well, I still did more than them or like I'm still doing better than them. Mm. No, your judge is not other people's egos. Mm. Your judge is your motherfucking potential. And your potential knows what you're capable of doing. So the thing that I would offer is understand that your consciousness inside of a monkey, the monkey changes slowly. The way to honor a vision about who you could be, to me, is identify one habit that you can do every day, that you seek competence through by doing every day, and be patient. And so do you suggest, you know, in those moments where we feel called to do something, but we feel that fear... Um, I mean, how do we know whether or not it is time to act? I mean, is that something that just has to happen within or, or is that fear, you know, it's easy for my ego to say, okay, that fear means I'm not competent enough yet. Um, but yeah, that's, so let's get into the specifics from your experience on mushrooms. What were some of the, what are the, what are the top two things that you wanted to change after the mushroom experience? It was meditate like a, a lot more stop seeking answers in books and and in videos and in podcasts so much and just go inward and that I did think I did a good job of and since I have done that and then it was you know seek answers less but um, follow your guidance on the very particular few people who you ask questions to and one of them were you like this is you know I've wanted to reach out to you and, and kind of because some things fell through in terms of my communication like you are someone that if I need answers, you are someone that I hold in a high enough light that I will embody this and this will affect me for years to come. And it's for the greater good of all. So that was, you know, the guidance was reach out to Eric. And then there was one other person, reach out to this this girl that does similar work that I do. And, uh, and then it was, okay, time to feel worthy enough to reach out. And then it, that's when the kind of the symptoms came. And then it, yeah. be, it became more painful not to do it than to do it. Um, and so it was almost like, fine, I'm just doing it, you know, I'll reach out and then let me, as I reached out, do it with my heart. And then, um, you know, it felt good for that day, but then in the, it's always in the anticipation of the actual event again, that kind of the voices come back and the, the feelings come back. You're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. Yeah. So what's interesting is you have an implicit story that you get what you want if you're a good boy. Mm. And I would say break that story. And the thing is, you can only control 
what you do, not what is reciprocated back to you. Mm. And if you understand that, then you can relook at what you've done. You literally have done the things that you were asked to do. Mm. You fucking crushed it 100%. Where you're getting slipped up is the unconscious story is you think that you are owed a reciprocation mm. from God or whatever yeah. if you're the good boy and you do the brave thing. Yeah. No, motherfucker, no. Mm. You can only control what you put out. One of my favorite quotes from the Bhagavad Gita, I wish I could remember it verbatim, but it's basically, you are only a, like, what's the right word? Um, it's something along the lines of the only thing that you get is to do the work, not the fruit of the works, period. Mm -hmm. Like The only thing that you get in this life is that you get to do the work. You are not uh, obligated the fruits of the work. And so if you connect to the, in, to the unconscious story that you believe that you're owed a certain response from the universe, from what you do, that's going to alleviate a lot of suffering and that the best thing that you can do is to listen to the whisper and do what the whisper asks and then release attachment to what is the byproduct of that. Hmm. I truly appreciate you inviting me to be specific because that resonates 1000% and that my, my gut saying that's truth, my body saying that's truth. So, and that makes me ask, I've found a lot of value in kind of understanding the stories that kind of lay dormant in, in my psyche. And a lot of that comes from, as you've said, you know, like maybe it's childhood wounds, maybe it's the way my mom or dad looks at the world that is kind of imprinted upon me in terms of my, my tendency to be anxious might really be, you know, someone else's tendency to be anxious. How does one kind of go about getting really specific, does it take kind of a, a full audit on our past to kind of revisit, you know, parental myths that kind of come onto us? How do, how do we go about finding those stories so that they limit sure. us less? Yeah. I think that the best way to go about it is instead of spending the next eight years going through all the possible stories that could be in you from your past, because the truth is we have hundreds and hundreds of stories that are unconscious that are embedded in us and it influenced all the things that we want. All the things that we are seeking to do in the world are coming from our stories or from our instincts that are a byproduct of evolution, but that's its own thread. What I think is the most adaptive way to do this is where you are right now, take 20 fucking minutes and write out what does your perfect day look like five years from now. Do that the best that you can. And then begin to try to do the things in the world to make that happen. And then as the world smashes you in the face because you're an idiot, like we are these itty bitty finite squishy things embedded in infinity and to mold the world to respond and create it in the image of what we want is something we're capable of doing, but it's hard. And so make your best guess about the type of world you want. And most like it's crazy how many people go through their life and have never done this once. They've never once articulated to the universe, what is it that I want? What is my kingdom of heaven? Hmm. What is my ideal world? And if you don't pick it, somebody gave you one yeah. and you're probably living someone else's dream and your soul is pissed. So taking a moment to articulate, what is your ideal future? Do your best and then begin to try to create it. And then you're going to hit real problems, real dragons about can you make money in the way that you want to make money? Are you able to have loving relationships in the way that you want to have loving relationships? Do you know how to take care of your body? And as you hit dragons, 
that's when you can use journaling or some type of practice to get into, okay, why am I stuck at this dragon? What is this dragon? What are my hypotheses for how to solve this dragon? Then try it. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, why didn't that work? And so if you pick your ideal goal, you will meet dragons. And as you meet dragons, which those are life problems to solve, as you try to solve them, they will show you what stories in you need to be updated. Mm-hmm. And then you can only, and it seems to be the most effective way to do this dance, that the stories that impede you will manifest themselves to you as you strive towards your ideal future. And when they come up, that's when you can use a lot of the practices that are talked about in the spiritual community to work with them. And for me, my core one is journaling. Like when you hit a dragon, me too. sit the fuck down with a piece of paper and start to write out like, okay, what is the dragon? And articulate it as clearly as you can. Like, what is the problem? And then you can think through like your intuition. If you give it the space to journal about the dragon, it will start to pop off ideas. And a really important idea to connect to is your intuition grows with you. It's not a godlike thing that knows all the answers. It's way smarter than you. And so it is godlike in that respect, but it's not omnipotent. It's not all knowing. And it grows with you as you go solve dragons. And so it will give you its best guesses. You go act those guesses out, even though they scare you. And if they don't work, at least your intuition got real feedback on what it thought was the best way to go. And it grows with you. And then you just fucking keep slaying dragons. Every once in a while, you revision a new future because every dragon that you face will transform you. And so the ideal future that you made six months ago might not be the same one now. And then you're just constantly aiming. You're going to fight a dragon. You transform. You re-aim. You fight a dragon. You transform. And then you become a dope-ass motherfucker. I've never heard you put it that way, that uh, kind of intuition grows with you. And I think that also just resonated on a deep level, coming back to that point you made about kind of like, be a good boy and you get the thing. It's so easy for me to be like, I followed my intuition, like, bring me the things now. Um, Exactly. I I thought you were all knowing. (laughs) No, and I, I think that that's a really important thing to articulate. Like, what a lot of people don't talk about is if you've experienced deep somatic trauma as a child, your intuition... your intuition is warped and it needs a lot of love to get back to being a good guide Hmm. like if you had if if you're a woman and your father beat you but then would give you toys afterwards because he felt bad your intuition is seek out men who will destroy me Hmm. and that will need to be faced to be healed to to hone your body to be a proper guide again Hmm. and so your intuition is not all-knowing the thing to connect to is does the life that I have right now reflect my ideal life? And to the degree that it doesn't, you have to go face some dragons. And if you show up to yourself and in the world in truth, which means like I went 26 years and didn't have a single honest conversation with myself because I didn't journal. And it wasn't until I started having honest conversations with myself that I could even really hear what my intuition was asking of me. And then it took me like two or three years to develop the courage to act on what my intuition was asking me. And for the last two years, I've gotten very good at listening to my intuition and acting on it. And the degree to which I'm growing is fucking like stupid. Mm. Yeah, it is helpful for me to hear too how how much of a process it was for you because it is easy to look at you and put you like rightfully so, you know, you've earned it. But like I put you on this you know, this, this level of that's what it looks like when you do the damn thing. But 
if I give myself, you know, credit and I'm almost gentle with my intuition that also is facing these wounds. It's almost like an inner child. I've heard people put it that way. It's like your intuition is almost like this inner spiritual child that is bringing you to these, uh, these wounds that you need to face so that as you put them, the dragon so that you can go beyond them and beyond them. But it's easy for me to look at you and say, he never had that. And, uh, and so that's helpful yeah. to see. Not the motherfucking case, dude. <laughs> and I have specific stories that I can get into, but I, I have not caught my stride until literally two years ago. Mm. And I'm 29. Dude, so I've, I talked to you a year and a half ago. Um, and so it was super cool to catch you just on the, it felt like just the beginning. And I remember that's how I started the podcast. And even now I'm like, this is now really the fucking just the beginning. Like I, I know this man and I've had like so many amazing downloads about you. That's just like how powerful your work is. And I'm like, this guy is going to be, you're going to be something like really beautiful for society. And so I'm grateful to be talking to you, but tell me about like some of the transition, like the huge moments in this last two years. I think one of them that I was called to ask you about was the fit for service teaching. Cause it was, it was almost like that was your opportunity to go from, you know, a writer behind the screen, very safe, um, intellectual vibe to like embodied, you know what I mean? And yeah. tell me about kind of the dragons you faced in that instance. Cause I think there's a lot to be learned there. 100%. Yeah. So, um, I've had a stutter since I was three and my stutter was so bad as a child that my mom couldn't understand me. And my sister would have to translate for me to my mom. I went to a speech path pathologist when I was in second or first grade. And this was the first woman outside of my mom who I could see saw me. And she was like, this kid is fucking smart. He just can't talk. I'm going to teach him how to talk. <laughs> and so for the last 27 years, well, really the last 24, because you don't have consciousness really the first, or you don't have an ego the first three years. But my story has always been, I want to create great works, but I don't ever want to be in front of anybody or in front of a camera and the story I told myself is because that's the heroic thing to do is, you know, you don't need to be famous or in front of well, yeah. I was afraid to be in front of people because I fucking stutter. Yeah. And what's really amazing about Aubrey is he didn't even give me a chance to say no. He told me you're going to be one of the coaches for fit for service. And so when we had the first summit that was in person, he told me you have a workshop. And so I fucking prepared for it. I had been a coach for Fit for Service for about four months up until that point, and I was giving people advice. And I could feel that it was the truth, but because I was giving it, it started to make me, it almost took away my ego's will to play small because mm. then I would be a hypocrite. Mm. So I'd been, I had been giving people this advice for months about how to show up and how to do the thing that you're afraid to do. And so the moment I knew I had to give that talk, I was like, all right, let's fucking go. And it turned out to be one of the most, I didn't stutter once. And I did my work, I showed up to it, and I felt how powerful the exchange of energy is when you're in person. And then I fucking knew from that moment, like my entire story about who I wanted to be had to change. Mm. Because the story before was couched in fear. Like I could see the like seeds of my soul in the story but the container was still fear. Hmm. And I, I realized after that first workshop, you have to be in front of people. It's, it's not the only thing. Like I will always write my whole life, and that's the thing that you do alone. But if you want to help people to the degree that you've told us, and this is the universe talking, you have to fucking get in front of people now. There's no excuses. Your body feels what it feels like. You know the truth. And then from that point on, like, 
It's crazy, man. The thing that I get compliments on the most now is how I articulate and my voice. And that was literally the thing that I was the most ashamed about as a kid. It's a trip. It's a trip. So um, I feel a resonance with that because I, I think as I've put out you know, podcasts and, and I've done a little bit of writing and I've helped people in the athletic space a lot and helped them with questions and stuff like that, I've always wondered, like, I wonder if this will kind of manifest into some sort of in-person workshop type environment one of these days. Uh, and as I asked that question, just the simple sheer fear that came to me when I asked it kind of was like a nudge and a wink from, you know, that wiser part of myself saying, you know, like eventually you'll likely have to do that. And it's so funny how we turn away and we want to romanticize this idea of being behind the camera, being like a, almost like a wise intellect from, from far where no one really knows him in, in person. And then I could see how, you know, how powerful that might be. And that, that, that being seen that, you know, showing your whole heart and then feeling the energetic exchange with people. I'm sure there's like nothing like that. And the truth, man, is your intuition is embodied in your body. And if you want to grow the most quickly at being a teacher of anything, you have got to get in front of other bodies mm. because your intuition totally. is absorbing so much data from the mm. bodies in front of you that your conscious mind cannot process that teaches you so deeply whether or not is how I'm speaking effective, is what I'm saying even resonating. And then you also feel what it feels like when people have those aha moments. Mm. And your intuition is like, that's gold. Wow. But if, but if you sit in front of a book, you can still learn, but it's so slow mm. because your intuition is bouncing off of a mirror. Mm. But if you get in front of other apes, like you get so much more data about how to effectively teach. And also kind of the core thing going on in our life that we don't have right now is community. And if you're going to be a teacher or a leader at anything, the end goal, if you're not in fear, is to have a community. And to have a community, you got to get together in person. It's so true. I even can like relate to uh, having conversations with someone where I can have a high level conversation and they're helping me work through something. It's like you can feel it's almost like a lightning rod just strikes the second like real progress is made or some some connection is made that wasn't there before. And I think that is so valuable. So, you know, leading into that community is so important. Um, tell me about, man, like what that, maybe one of those first workshops, <clears throat> what was the things when you were teaching? Was it kind of in this regard, a similar thing that we're talking about, you know, listening to your intuition, hearing the call going towards that? Like what, what was those initial teachings like? Yeah, what's cool is when I look back on everything that I've ever really tried to teach whenever I had to teach something, it's always been the same thing. And it's about how do you listen to your daemon and how do you live your life from your daemon? And that's basically all that workshop was about. The, so what I did is I had people eye gaze for five minutes and I had each person get into a pair. And then once they eye gaze for five minutes, everyone's in basically a self, a self hypnotized state because it's so psychedelic. Like mm. most people have never in their life looked someone else in the eye for five minutes and I not never, looked away. I never have. Bro, <laughs> it, it'll change your fucking life. I got to do it you see God, like you feel God. And there's, and because of how our vision works, you actually start to see the waves that you get from mushrooms when you're looking at someone else's eye. And there are technical reasons why that is, but it happens almost every time. Wow. Once I put people through that, I then explained the split brain study experiments. And the long story short is 
when you cut the corpus callosum between the left and the right cortex and you do creative experiments, what you see in people's bodies is as if there's two conscious entities inside of them. One is the ego, and the other one is this thing that the researchers didn't give a name to, but I'm hypothesizing that's your intuition. There's two entities inside of you. I mean, at least. But one is this ego structure, and it's the thing that tells stories. It's linguistic. The other part is embodied intelligence. It's your intuition. And once I explained that to people, I was... I then spent the, re the rest of the workshop trying to help them identify what their daemon is. And then I gave them three stories of people who went through near-death experiences. And then in that moment of where they almost decided to kill themselves, their daemon came in. Hmm. And um, the stories were Buckminster Fuller. Um, he was about to kill himself because he wasn't able to make a business work and he thought he wasn't able to take care of his family. He was about to jump off of like a bridge in the water. He got a super clear download or he heard a voice tell him, your life is not yours to give away. You have gifts yet to give to humanity. You can't kill yourself. And it went on to be one of the most famous inventors the U.S. has ever known. Uh, the other one was Jung. And then I shared my story of the one time in my life I wanted to kill myself. And it's kind of a long story, but I'll keep it short. The first time I ever did an edible, I did the thing everyone talks about where I was like, I don't feel it. So I ate another one. And then um, the woman that I was going to hang out with that I was trying to sleep with, she got too high and like hid under a blanket and stopped talking. So I was like, I'm going to leave. Um, her friend was there. So I went to take her friend home. We got into a car accident. I am the highest I've ever been. And then there's a woman banging on my door in the middle of the road screaming, you hit my baby, you hit my baby. And in my super high state, I instantly believed I had murdered a child. I was high. I had drugs on me and in my car. The person with me had drugs on them and um, both drugs and like a pipe. And that I was going to go to jail for the rest of my life. And in that moment, I genuinely wanted to kill myself. And I'm in the middle of the road. An accident has just happened. My head is in my hands. And then I hear this voice and it says, take responsibility one moment at a time. And it, it didn't feel like me. And so I get up, I pull my car to the side of the road. Long story short, she was irate. Her, her child was in the car. Her child was completely fine. She had hit me. The cops showed up. I was super calm. She was freaking out. They didn't search my car. They didn't even really register that my eyes were fucking dead red. I think they assumed I had been crying and it all worked out perfectly. Mm. But, and so then I gave people that story set and then I told them to write for 10 minutes about a time in their life where they felt hopeless and then they heard that voice. And then I had them tell that story to each other. And then I got into the details of what the Prometheus myth means and how I think it's a myth about how to create your ideal future through making making a sacrifice now for who you want to be. And that it's your daemon that will lead you through how to do that. And then I had people get together and imagine their ideal self coming to them in a visionary state and asking them basically to change one habit. And then they had to write down what the habit was. And then that was the end of the workshop. Hmm. And can you expand upon that idea of like making a sacrifice uh, to do the daemon or is that is that the, the thing of giving up a habit, giving up a fear? 
Right. So essentially what your daemon will always ask you to do is to change a behavior hmm. and to change a behavior. You have to give up what you were doing instead of that behavior. And so maybe the thing that you have to give up is you have to give up being on Tinder for an hour a day, every day for four months, not having one meaningful relationship as a way for you to waste time in the evening. Or maybe you have to give up your story that you're not enough. You know, like there's a bunch of things that you can throw into the fire. Yeah. Tell me about, um, you know, these might be similar questions, but I've just been like fascinated by them is like this, this idea that you have to tell your ego often you're going to die. And the way I kind of processed that was as I continue to kind of evolve and transcend and do these things that scare me, they are outside of my ego structure of what my ego believes to be. This is who I am. And then when I act beyond that, it's my ego almost is fighting and screaming and trying to bring me back. Like I said, and, and a lot of that is in the form of I'm not worthy. I'm not this enough. And so my form of telling my ego it's going to die is like you are like that story isn't helping you anymore. You are worthy. You are enough. Like you are doing these things. You are changing, but it's safe. Is that kind of the, the means in which you recommend people tell their ego like, hey, you're, it's time to die now so that we can become something new? Yeah, what's interesting is um, I don't tell my ego it's going to die. I simply act out what my daemon asks me to do and the act of doing that transforms my ego mm, yeah. which is what the ego fears as death and so i will talk to my ego if my ego needs to be talked to where it's like i know you're afraid but i know you heard what our soul just said i know that you know that every time we've ever done this in the past it's gone well and you know I'm going to fucking do it. So you can bitch, and I hear you, and I love you, but it's still going to get done. Hmm. But I'm at the point now where, like, I, I don't have a – I think I've done the dance enough times where my ego is like, okay, I get it. I'm going to transform. I'm going to bitch, but I know that you're still going to do it. And, like, the beautiful thing, man, is I think that my – like because of how much I respect my ego, that's not how my ego feels. Truly, my ego feels like a wolf that is fucking excited. Like, mm. give me a fucking hunt. But it's because I have fed him and ran with him and tamed him. And he knows he's not the alpha. He knows that the alpha is the soul. But he's also not neglected. I don't beat him. I don't starve him. And so he's this fucking healthy wolf. And he's like, let's go fucking do shit. Mm. But he he doesn't get to pick the hunts. Mm. The so, soul gets to pick the hunts. And so almost harnessing the ego is that <clears throat> is bringing it on board uh, as if it was a wolf towards the the soul's you know objective maybe uh, exactly. the soul's direction. I, I think that that's the way to be, man. I think that your ego is a fundamental part of you that is not a mistake. What the mistake is is if you put the ego on the throne. No, the ego is a wolf that sits to the side of the throne and the thing on the throne is your daemon. And like the ego wants to go fucking hunt. It wants to go do dope shit in the world. The part of you that is competent is your ego. The part of you that creates anything in the world is the ego. It's almost like the ego is the hand of the soul. But if you have a crippled hand because you don't fucking take care of it, your soul can't get out. But also, if the hand has no soul behind it, you know, idle hands is the is the, the devil's playground or some shit. And I love how you are such a, an advocate of like with the ego and giving it a job and being the like 
harnessing into wolf. I see that in you in the way that you, like you said earlier, developing a practice, Make, maybe pick one thing that you can invest time into every day and touching that and touching that. For me, I have found that there's multiple practices I want to cultivate. There are, there's like the writing, there's the podcasting, there is the, you know, the filmmaking because that is my background. And then it's as if I have a, a great excitement to do a certain practice for a couple of weeks. Have you ever found that, you know, when that excitement wears off of that, that newness or that, uh, the novelty of a new practice, and then maybe you kind of hit those early, you know, you start to see results really fast or it's, you see how it changes and morphs you. And then maybe say after a month of doing that, it's like, okay, um, I'm feeling, you know, not as excited about this and having a little bit of difficulty discerning is that guidance that's telling me, you know, perhaps it's time to play with a new practice or is that yeah. resistance, you know? Um, yeah. I how think do you feel about that? I think that that's a great question. And I think there's two ways to approach it. One you could call is your Dharma habit and you, ha and you pick one mm. and that one you do every day, no matter what, even mm. if you don't feel like fucking doing it. And for me, it's writing. Okay. But um, like I know that one of the things I want to do for the rest of my life is play the piano. I got super excited about it about six weeks ago. I got into it for like two weeks, haven't touched it since. Mm. I don't beat myself up because I know I will come back to it, but I know that it doesn't fit the song that I'm trying to play right now. Mm. And the way that I see it is it's almost like your potential, like the human you could be is at the top of a mountain and you're going up in a spiral fashion. And the things around you, you will come back to if they're meant for you. Mm. So like, I know I'll come back to the piano when it feels right. But writing, I don't give a fuck. If I don't feel good, I'm still writing. Mm. And so I think it's important to, I've taken the time to really think about what type of man I want to be. And then I've broken down what is the essential skill that he would be the best at. That is something I feel called to get to get to be a master in. And the one thing I've chosen is writing. So that is the thing where I don't give a fuck how the wolf feels. We're doing it. Mm. But all the other things I let dance and see if they fit, if they fit, if they fit. And I just kind of have this faith that if it's meant as a habit for me, it will come. Mm. I, 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 yeah. I, I definitely have felt that, that circling of the habits, habits coming back. And for me, as you said that, uh, and I want to see what you think is like, you know, for people listening, what is that habit? I think that's a great, you know, tool or question to ask yourself. What is that one habit that I know, like, I know, I know, I know this is alignment. And for me, you know, with that mushroom trip and the guidance I'm receiving, it is, you know, meditate more, not just 10 minutes, like, you know, 20 to 60 a day. And for me, that sounds like my, my gut is saying, you know, that is the Dharma habit that will almost make sense of every other habit that, I want to add to my wolf's purpose, but in the meantime, um, you know, just, just getting still and being able to differentiate, you know, the ego versus guidance and which thought I want to pursue. I, I feel like that is a worthwhile, uh, daily practice. Does that sound like something that fits that? Or do you recommend also being even as dogmatic about one particular habit that in a way is building mastery towards a craft, if that makes sense. So while, while meditation is like working on my operating system, should I actually be kind of becoming, you know, the artist in one particular way. So, so the thing that I would offer there is because I know that you have a practice of connecting to your daemon, I do you a dis, I, I impede your growth by giving you an answer to you asking me, <laughs> should I? Yeah. Because all shoulds, yeah. once you've established a bond with your daemon, mm -hmm. all shoulds yeah. 
come from him or her or it or whatever you would like to call it. Hmm. My opinion is meditation is for sure a core habit. Hmm. And like the thing that I would offer, man, is if that's what you're called to do, it will organically be a thing that you will want to talk about. It'll be a thing that you'll teach. It'll be a thing that you could give other people in exchange for money. It's mm. a core mm. thing. Mm. It 100% mm. counts. I appreciate it, man. That's that's medicine right there. I, you've talked about um, one thing I've resonated with you. Sorry to jump all around, but one thing I've resonated a bunch with your truth is your undeniable calling that I want to be a fucking dad one day. Uh, and that is something that I align with so much, even from like a, you know, pretty damn young age, like 20, I was like, I have always had this like innate wanting. And that's a part of my Dharma. That's my path is like, become the man that you know, you want to be so that when, you know, a child is manifested into your life, you're ready. Um, and I, I totally admire that in you and your honesty around that. That's like the first time I've ever said that on anything on my platforms. And, um, you know, a dog came into my life at 20. So it's pretty funny that I've kind of been dancing with that, that dad yep. pattern. How, how is that for you and, and how that navigates your life and the man you're trying to become? Because I feel like having that, even that, that perspective long-term on, okay, one day I'm going to be this. I can see how that plays into your dance and into your life and, and almost adds yeah. that meaning as to, you know, I don't have a day to waste here. It guides everything. It guides all the work that I'm doing now. I know that I am doing to prepare me to be the type of father that I want to be. Mm. How I show up in relationships is showing me all the blocks I have around love so I can love my children better. I want to be the type of man that is an inspiring story for my children. Mm. And I truly believe that the deepest, purest love that you are capable of having with a embodied creature is with your child. Because you get to start from the beginning of their life. And if you show up in truth and integrity and love for, for them from the beginning, what that's going to give you is beyond what any other relationship will ever be able to give you. And I also know that it's going to fillet my heart open. Because I, re I read a quote somewhere and it's like, having a child is like looking at your heart living outside of your chest. And it's like, I know it's going to be the scariest thing because that will be the place that I can be hurt the most is if something happens to them. But I also know that I believe that's why I am alive is to be a father and then to live my example in such a complete way that it inspires them and that it will also help the culture. But for me, it's, it's the top fucking thing. Like I fantasize about being invited to like some huge, really big event because I'm a fancy psychologist and it's my daughter's birthday and I say no to the event. Mm. Like, cause that is the top thing. I, I want to be a type of dad who changes the world, but my children can honestly say he loved us first. He chose us first. I think that's why you're beautiful, man, is that you are you know, I see you as this warrior, this hunter for knowledge and truth, this, you know, you're fucking committed to your practice, you're doing the damn thing. But then at the end of the day, you kind of radiate this, this warmth and love that I think it's, it's truly obvious that you are like a father at the core of you. And like, you. I wish I could give you a big hug, man. Cause that's a beautiful <laughs> answer, brother. Yeah, man. Cool, man. Um, what's and a, uh, of that, yeah, like, go, ahead. go there quick is I didn't have that father. Hmm. 
and I've Same. I've alchemized that lack as th that is what what I was lacking is what I want to give, mm. and yeah, I it's, totally resonate with that. Tell me, give like on that note. Uh, this is one of my, how I usually like to like begin to wrap up things. Is you know you you obviously what you teach is a form of what you wish you knew or it's like the medicine you needed you're kind of sharing with the world if you could articulate it you know i'm 25 now for your 25 year old self what is kind of the medicine the advice the encouragement you would give him at that time if you have the faith to speak and act your truth in love that it will create the best possible situation you are going to have your dream life and then two do the fucking shit that you're afraid to do man if you show up in truth it will work out the best it possibly can. And it's going to give you your dream life. And if there's one thing you can warn him about, you know, like this is going to hold you up, perhaps, what would it be? Your ego's belief that you can do all of this on your own and that you don't need mentors is the biggest thing that's keeping you from creating your dream life. Wow. That's beautiful, man. Is there anything else I missed that you feel like you feel called to share with, with me, with my audience, with anybody? Um, that you're fucking crushing it, and I hope that you recognize that that unconscious story that just because you do the thing that your daemon tells you that you should get what you want, that that's the thing that's causing you suffering and that you can let that go. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. And I, I, I trust and I know for sure the people listening, though I get selfish on my podcast, it is medicine for everybody. You're medicine, man. Uh, I will tag all your stuff in this and, and be sure to share your work as much as possible, man. I appreciate you. Sounds beautiful, brother. Thank you for having me on. That does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Share this episode if you like it. Send it to your mom, your grandma, your brother, whoever might like it. Share a screenshot to Instagram. I love when you guys do that. Again, if you're interested in learning with me and if you want me to send you articles, book recommendations, journal prompts, anything else i can think of to support you get added to the newsletter i'll include a link in the show notes below i love you guys i hope you guys are having a good day see you on the next episode bye bye bye